You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The opinions expressed on this webmasterradio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of webmasterradio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of webmasterradio.fm is prohibited. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning, and please be seated. Um, This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center in Santa Monica, California. And we have a great show for you today. Our, our guests are Kurt Olsel. He is the um, senior staff attorney with the Electronic Frontier Foundation. And we're going to talk about Wright Haven and the war on bloggers. And then in the second half hour, we're going to have William Powers, uh, best-selling author of Hamlet's Blackberry. And we'll be discussing connecting and unconnecting in the digital world. So um, thank you again for joining us. And we're going to start off with Kurt. Kurt, are you there? Here. Great. Um, tell me a little bit about what is the EFF? Uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation is a nonprofit civil liberties organization dedicated to defending civil liberties on the Internet. Okay. And uh, I, I, I was looking at today in history, and I noticed that today is the anniversary of Patrick Henry saying, give me liberty and give me death, or give me death. And or. You know, if or give me yes, it wasn't. It was conjunctive. Um, and if if he were alive today, do you think he'd be a blogger? Well, you know, uh, a lot of the founders uh, actually did something very similar to blogging, which is they uh, posted their messages on broadsheets and posted them on the the walls of the town, uh, often often anonymously. Um, and so I think that uh, many of them would be taking advantage of blogging. I mean, that was sort of the equivalent in that time when you didn't own uh, a newspaper, didn't own major media, to be able to communicate with as broad an audience as possible. And I guess arguably the Federalist Papers are a good example as well. Uh, indeed. I think that was you know, uh, one of the first sort of blog-type activities of our country. And the reason why we're talking about blogs is because of the issue of right haven. Can you tell us what, who Wright Haven is and, and, and why they're relevant? Uh, well, Wright Haven is a, uh, a company uh, uh, based in uh, Nevada that was formed for uh, the purpose of uh, uh, filing lawsuits. Uh, and its uh, business model is to uh, uh, first uh, scour the Internet to find an infringement uh, and then... Uh, uh, alleged. <laughs> alleged infringement. Uh, and then to uh, obtain the right to sue over that infringement from the copyright holder and then file lawsuits. And they have, uh, at this point, uh, been doing this uh, for two newspapers. One is the uh, Las Vegas Review-Journal, and the other is the Denver Post. And did they recently sign a third media There have company? been some news reports suggesting, actually, they, they, uh, a few other uh, 
media entities. In fact, the Denver Post is part of the Media News Group, which uh, has a number of different newspapers in it. Stevens Media, the owner of the Review Journal, also has a large number of publications uh, and uh, and such. But in terms of actual lawsuits filed, it's just been those two. So another way, way to recharacterize this is it, it, it's grumpy old, um, you know, grumpy old old media um, asking new media to pay a tribute to it. Well, I mean, there's something a little bit different here, uh, which is the uh, that Haven. I mean, ordinarily, a newspaper might say hire an attorney to uh, 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 file a lawsuit on their behalf uh, and, and assert that someone had infringed their, their copyright. What is sort of interesting about uh, Right Haven is it, it's not that. Uh, it, instead, it, it sort of uh, uh, has some similarities to what, what we've seen in the patent world where you have what are called uh, non-practicing entities or sometimes more pejoratively called trolls uh, who uh, who don't actually use a patent, but then uh, make their income by suing over it, uh, and so this is a, a I guess a new uh, uh, advance upon that uh, that notion by bringing it to the copyright world, uh, acquiring uh, the rights to sue, and then uh, and then suing on them without actually publish anything or making it available. Now, uh, yeah, I understand. Brighthaven to date, I'm looking at the latest number. There is 251 lawsuits. As of March seventeenth, um, and uh, what's unique about Right Haven, and if I'm correct me if I'm wrong, is that, and unlike other situations where um, a party going after a, a, an infringer would at least send a cease and desist notice, you know, to try to avoid you know having to go through the, the cost of litigation, whereas in Right Haven they're skipping that whole step entirely, and then going straight to um, litigation is one issue, but the second is that they're going for very small amounts. Um, it looks, according to um, this website called Right Haven Lawsuits, and they have the list 251 um, lawsuits, but so far they've only had um, 420,000 in settlements. That's out of 120 cases, so they're averaging $3,500 for settlement for a case. Well, I mean, that that is an estimate by that that, that website. Uh, a lot of the settlements are uh, are not public, so uh, yeah. the, the exact numbers are not known. But from what we do know, uh, you know that does sound about uh, right that they're seeking four-figure settlements uh, in the lawsuits themselves. They ask for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, the maximum amount allowed by law, along with seizure of the uh, domain name, which is extreme. Um, well, which is, is not just extreme, but it, there, there's no basis for that under the law. Um, it, it, you know, the Copyright Act does not provide that as a, as a remedy for, for infringement. Uh, and, and some of the, the issues with that can perhaps be seen by a few of their lawsuits. For example, they filed a lawsuit against the Drudge Report. Um, you know, many sites, many, many newspapers would actually be very pleased that the Drudge Report uh, – Link to them. Uh, bring a, a lot, lot of people have a, a one half of Capitol Hill too. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's a, you know a, a very a very uh, useful service in that regard. But uh, instead, uh, Right Haven sued uh, the Drudge Report, um, and they they said uh, therefore they deserved uh, DrudgeReport.com. You know, uh, a, a, a domain name is clearly worth well into the millions of dollars, and there's just no right. no basis for that. Now, um. You have speaking of Drudge uh, Report, um, you, you, the EFS was looking to get involved in this issue, and I remember you posting a notice that you were looking for a defendant to represent, and you you um, you have since represented a, a blog called Democratic Underground, which would be the opposite of the Drudge Report. Um, tell us tell us about that and um, that litigation. Well, sure. So uh, we actually have two cases uh, with Right Haven. One of them is. Uh, the Democratic Underground. Uh, so that is an online forum where people uh, uh, post uh, uh, material. Uh, it's actually a little bit different from the Drudge Report. The Drudge Report provides links to materials but doesn't have user-generated content. Uh, the Democratic Underground does a lot of user-generated content. Um, and so, uh, you know, they have uh, hundreds of thousands of users, millions of posts, and uh, one of those users posted... Uh, an excerpt of uh, uh, five sentences from one of uh, uh, the review uh, journal uh, stories uh, with, a, with a link back to the source. Um, 
something which is you know fairly commonplace amongst uh, mm-hmm. online communities who wish to uh, discuss something, uh, and uh, they got they got sued by uh, Right Haven Democratic Underground and its uh, uh, founder. Um, uh, in one a of site which relies on you know contributions from its members to, to you know to to sustain itself, I believe, right? Well, uh, it it does uh, uh, have some contributions from members. I mean, it's basically a break-even uh, uh, endeavor. And so, um, you came to them, and they they would get this notice from. I mean, excuse me, they were sued by Right Haven. And um, that case quickly turned turned around in, in your favor. Can you tell us how that happened? Well, um, one, of, you know, one of the things that was unusual about this uh, this case is that uh, uh, Wright Haven uh, filed a motion for uh, voluntary dismissal of the case. Um, ordinarily, plaintiffs don't don't uh, uh, try and dismiss their own cases. Uh, but what was unusual about that was that they had a condition on that voluntary dismissal. Uh, they they said uh, that that uh, only under the condition that uh, Democratic Underground be unable to uh, seek attorneys' fees uh, under uh, you know which is which is their right under the the Copyright Act, um, and uh, that's that's a an unfair condition. I mean I, you know we agree with uh, Right Haven that this case should go away and and that we should win on the, on the merits. Uh, but they shouldn't be able to get away with what they're doing scot-free. And so, you, right now, you have pending your your request for attorney's fees. Correct? Is that correct? Um, no, actually, uh, no request for attorney's fees is pending. We have filed an opposition to uh, their conditional uh, motion, and then we have also filed a, a motion for summary judgment, asking the court to determine that uh, uh, was uh, you know, find ju- judgment in our favor. On the basis of fair use, and also on the uh, on the basis uh, that uh, uh, this material was not actually posted by Democratic Underground, uh, it was posted by one of the users of uh, Democratic Underground, and that you shouldn't hold uh, forums uh, liable for what their users have said. Under the com- com- um, Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, right? Excuse um, me, the Communications well, and Decency the, Act. Uh, the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, or the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Um, this is actually a, uh, a common law doctrine that emerged uh, most prominently from a case, uh, uh, Netcom versus uh, Religious Technology Center, uh, and that case was ultimately the basis for the safe harbor uh, enacted by Congress in 1998, the Digital Money and Copyright Act. Now, let's go back a, a minute. The, the publisher behind this, Stevens Media, they actually, in launching Right Haven, they also did a shot across the bow of, of the blogosphere by saying that, you know, in their view, um, taking um, any material from them is akin to um, stealing a car from their front lawn. And, um, and so is, is this really an attempt to, do you think, intimidate the blogosphere? Well, I mean, I, I think uh, uh, probably that the... The statement made by Sharman uh, uh, Frederick, the uh, 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 publisher of the Stevens Media, or at least he was for a while, um, it was most threatening. Was uh, uh, you know, if you if you take my content, uh, say hello to my little friend uh, Righthaven, uh, which is a recognize friend, yes. that that uh, <laughs> quote perhaps as a, as a paraphrase from Scarface. Yes, from uh, Scarface when and, uh, Tony um, Montoya well, comes out with his. It, uh, 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 M16 to uh, have the uh, climactic shootout. Well, it's, it's actually kind of a fitting analogy because, as we said, that uh, Right Haven is just going straight to the climactic scene. So they're not even doing any of the preliminary things that are customary to to avoid having the you know, the big climactic battle, and that's what they want. They want people to see that. I think. Well, I, mean, I think that that uh, Right Haven also doesn't want to have uh, uh, this, uh, you know, cease and desist letters because it throws out their their business model. You know, they're in it to make money. They they are uh, they're only going to make money uh, if they sue people and then uh, uh, either uh, get a judgment or or a settlement. And so, if uh, somebody uh, takes down the material. Uh, and everybody goes uh, off in their uh, merry way without need for litigation. That doesn't work with their business model. Now, um, you know, Ray Haven has 251 lawsuits have filed in, in 
over 100 settlements. But it, it, the number that they're really concerned about is the number two. And con- that relates to cases where they've actually had ca- the, the complaints dismissed on fair use grounds. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk with Kurt about that and um, you know, maybe some guidance for bloggers as to how to avoid um, becoming uh, ensnared in a right haven lawsuit um, after these messages. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. If you're looking for a new multifaceted SEO and social media tool set, look for the Raven. Raven has the important tools that every internet marketer needs. Raven offers customized metrics for managing link building campaigns, social media campaigns, with campaign reporting and research tools that you can easily manage. Build up campaign performance for your clients and give your team the tools that will make them soar. If you want to increase your internet marketing revenue, look for The Raven. Go to raventools.com. That's raventools.com. Two, one, booster ignition. Ascend into new heights of ranking and revenue with a search engine-friendly online shopping cart that's ready for liftoff. Introducing Ascender Cart. Ascender Cart optimizes your shopping cart with easy-to-use SEO tools that will help build keywords, titles, and tags for top search engine rankings. Get all of the advantages of having a shopping cart on your site and monitor your progress with regular reports in just a click. Prepare to launch your shopping cart to the top of the search engines with Ascender Cart. Learn more about what Ascender Cart can do for you at AscenderCart.com. A-S-C-E-N-D-E-R-C-A-R-T.com. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. And we're back talking about Right Haven. And before the break, um, we were mentioning two losses Right Haven has had that could be quite significant in the whole battle with Right Haven. And Kurt, why don't you tell us about those losses? Uh, sure. There, there have been two cases that have uh, reached the uh, the merits uh, in the Right Haven uh, situation. A number of procedural decisions have been reached, uh, but uh, uh, two cases that have reached the merits of, of one of the central questions here, which is fair use. Uh, the first one was uh, Right Haven versus <coughs> Realty One, uh, and that was a case uh, similar to uh, Democratic Underground in that both were excerpting uh, cases. Um, and, and the Realty One, it was the first eight sentences, um, which was uh, about 26% of the uh, uh, original article. Um, and uh, the, the court uh, went, went through that. Uh, went, went through the uh, uh, various uh, fair use factors, purpose and character of the use, uh, the uh, nature of the work, the amount taken, uh, and the harm to the market uh, for the work, and determined that uh, that this was a fair use as a matter of law and dismissed the case. And the second uh, was uh, a little bit more uh, recent, uh, Right Haven versus... And broader, of- too. Sorry? It was also broader in terms of the scope of what, what was found to be fair use. So uh, uh, Right Haven versus Center for Intercultural Organizing was the more recent case that was just uh, heard at a hearing uh, last Friday. Uh, and the judge uh, explained his reasoning from the bench, though no uh, uh, written decision has, has yet been issued. That will come later. Uh, but uh, uh, in that case, uh, it was uh, a uh, the entirety of the article uh, being used, though it was uh, uh, by a uh, nonprofit organization 
uh, you know, with a sort of a public purpose of uh, trying to promote uh, immigrant rights. Uh, and the the judge uh, in that case looked a little bit uh, more closely at uh, at Wright Haven and uh, looked by analogy to a recent uh, Supreme Court case dealing with a uh, a patent uh, non-practicing entity, a, a patent troll. Um, that was eBay versus Merck Exchange, and uh, said uh, that uh, the Supreme Court rules there uh, uh, could also be uh, analogized here. Uh, that uh, Wright Haven uh, didn't have a market for this work. It was not doing anything with this work other than um, file lawsuits, uh, and that was not promoting the, the purposes of the, uh, the Copyright Act. Uh, so, again, the, the judge uh, uh, thought that this would be a, a fair use. Now, if people listening, particularly bloggers, they may be wondering, you know, what does it take to get within um, Wright Haven's crosshairs and and how they how how do they stay out of them? And um, any suggestions? Well, uh, there there are there are a couple of things that people might uh, uh, consider. One is for for sites which are forums, which are blogs that allow comments, that allow third party uh, material, uh, is to uh, uh, get uh, registered um, with uh, uh, the copyright office as an online service provider. Uh, to take full advantage of the protections of the Digital Money and Copyright Act, uh, which provides the safe harbor notice of um, to them of any alleged violation to allow them to take it down before they're liable. Correct? It's a it's exactly it's a it's a notice and takedown regime. Uh, it has provisions where uh, there's also counter notices where someone can you know a user might say uh, this is in fact a fair use and then. Uh, uh, on some circumstances, the material can go back up, but it provides a bit of protection for, for websites. Uh, for people who are posting uh, original uh, uh, comments, um, you know, this, this is a little bit of a, of a tougher thing uh, because uh, you may very well be making a fair use criticism commentary, uh, otherwise uh, using some material from uh, either the Denver Post or the Review Journal uh, but uh, will will that be enough to to stop them from from filing a lawsuit, uh, which will have significant costs of defense? Um, and it, it's a little unclear, uh, you know, how you would how you would know that they wouldn't sue you even if you're making a a, a clear fair use. Uh, some some people have suggested that uh, simply uh, not do anything that that uh, quotes from or links to uh, these newspapers. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, blogs linking to uh, uh, newspapers actually really uh, it, it helps uh, optimize the, the, those newspapers' results uh, in search engines. It helps uh, drive some traffic, uh, so it ends up being advantageous to the newspapers. So if, if bloggers stop uh, uh, linking to them, uh, perhaps uh, that that will uh, uh, have an effect. Um, it's a circular fire squad. Well, you know, I think that, that uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, great reasons why uh, newspapers are, are a valuable part of, of our uh, information ecosystem. Newspapers have, have long been very important, uh, and they can provide some things that, uh, uh, in terms of resources for investigative journalism, that uh, are, are hard to replicate outside of a, a newspaper entity. So it's very important for them to find ways to thrive and survive. Uh, in the uh, online uh, environment, let's say that that suing uh, the the blogosphere and and uh, is not one of them. Uh, that that is not a uh, prescription for the long term success of newspapers. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the the marketing plan that succeeds where you're attacking basically your readers. Well, it's your readers and also the the, the community that that surrounds the publications that will uh, provide traffic, provide interest. You know. Um, is, is it better to to uh, uh, be obscure or to be well known and discussed? I think it was once famously said, you know, say whatever you want so long as you get my name right. And perhaps today you <laughs> might say, say whatever you want so long as you get my URL right. Uh, I guess so. Do you know who said that by chance? Say whatever you want so long as you get my name wrong. I'm not recalling right now. Yeah, but the um, now we've been focusing a lot about Right Haven, but you know who's on the horizon. As also maybe stepping into this role. I mean, AP at one point was grumbling over this issue, and there was a you know a, a plan to boycott AP by bloggers. 
Yeah, where, where, where's, where does the blogosphere stand vis-a-vis AP? Uh, I mean, well, AP you know, the uh, CEO of uh, uh, the Media News Group, the apparent company of uh, the Denver Post, is also uh, a member of uh, the AP board. Uh, so certainly the, the AP is uh, um, uh, aware of what's going on with, with these. Um, and, yeah, the AP has, has sort of gone back and forth a little bit on uh, where, it, where it might be and what would be an, an acceptable amount of uh, quotation and, and links. But I guess uh, that, that situation will continue to evolve. Well, indeed it will, and we'll be following it closely. And, and Kurt, it's been a pleasure having you. Um, if anyone's interested, um, EFF.org is where you can find Kurt and Electronic Frontier Foundation and um, you know all their good work. Um, best of luck to you in the Democratic Underground um, fight, and um, hope hope you consider coming back on and, keep, and keeping us up to date on that battle. Um, thank thank you again, Kurt. It's been a pleasure. And right, when we you. come back after this commercial, we'll have William Powers, best-selling author. Thank you. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brad Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. If you're looking for a new multifaceted SEO and social media tool set, look for the Raven. Raven has the important tools that every internet marketer needs. Raven offers customized metrics for managing link building campaigns, social media campaigns, with campaign reporting and research tools that you can easily manage. Build up campaign performance for your clients and give your team the tools that will make them soar. If you want to increase your internet marketing revenue, look for The Raven. Go to raventools.com. That's raventools.com. Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-service solutions is AdMedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. AdMedia tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything AdMedia can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia. Strong ROI made simple. Two, one, booster ignition. Ascend into new heights of ranking and revenue with a search engine-friendly online shopping cart that's ready for liftoff. Introducing Ascender Cart. Ascender Cart optimizes your shopping cart with easy-to-use SEO tools that will help build keywords, titles, and tags for top search engine rankings. Get all of the advantages of having a shopping cart on your site and monitor your progress with regular reports in just a click. Prepare to launch your shopping cart to the top of the search engines with Ascender Cart. Learn more about what Ascender Cart can do for you at AscenderCart.com. A-S-C-E-N-D-E-R-C-A-R-T.com. 
best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. One thing that we're trying to do, this is only our eighth show, and what we try to do is uh, in the two segments is the first segment, we want to give you something that's very topical in what's going on in terms of law and Internet policy and to give you some useful information as to you know, help you in your business and or understanding what's going on on the Internet. In the second half hour, we, we tend to focus more on um, aspects of Internet business or just general things useful about trends in the Internet that um, that we all may find interesting. So this half hour, we're going to be talking to best-selling author William Powers. Um, he's the author of Hamlet's Blackberry, um, which Bob Woodward has called a extremely useful handbook um, for today's Internet age. And um, it basically – Bill, just give me a little bit about Bill's background while he, he connects in. Um, Bill used to work at the Washington Post. He was a reporter for, there for years um, and then went to National Journal, which is a very prestigious um, Capitol Hill meet magazine that, and where he was the um, media editor. He was responsible for writing a column on um, covering the media and um, actually won, won an award for his work there. And, um, and so he just recently left that. Um, and went off to the taught a year at the Kennedy School in, in Massachusetts, and um, he now lives in Cape Cod in telecommutes. Um, so he's very much a connected person, but he's going to talk a little bit about being um, the, the value of disconnecting from time to time, um, particularly in a time when there was a recent Rasmussen poll that found that 23% of Americans believe they spend too much time on the Internet. And... Um, and another 70% are concerned about um, the extent to which technology is overtaking their lives. So um, once we get Bill on, we, he has some interesting observations in Hamlet's Blackberry, and um, we'll even have him explain the title. Hamlet did not have a Blackberry. <laughs> and uh, well, that would have been interesting, wouldn't it? Um, so we, we, he's going to go into that. One thing that's, that has caught a lot of attention about the book is Bill and his wife and his, his son actually do a cyber Sabbath um, where um, Friday at a certain point in time, they disconnect from the internet and don't reconnect until on Monday. And what's amazing is the not that is both their ability to do that and, and stick with that, but also um, the fact that other people have lived, respected that. Um, he gets lots of emails <laughs> that he reads on Monday morning saying, you know, Bill, I, I know you're not going to read this until Monday, but here it is. And um, so he's basically been able to pull off uh, kind of a, an interesting dual life connected to, um, you know, the power centers in Washington and um, in New York, and but still living uh, a life that and um, kind of tranquil Cape Cod. So um, also in terms of what we cover in the future. Do you have anything you'd like to hear more about? If there's a legal issue um, that's, that's concerning you, um, just let us know. And um, we, we welcome your questions in, in chat chat room, um, whether it's germane to the topic or on other issues, because um, we can always you know, try to cover it in future show. And um, so we, we should have Bill on shortly. And uh, one thing that we we'd like to do what we'll probably do next week is we're going to be covering the issue of behavioral targeting. And I don't know if you've been following that issue at all, but it's been a very hot issue. And um, um, and both in Capitol Hill as well as in the um, among the the various associations with um, the Interactive Advertising Bureau coming out with them um, their own standard and. Um, as well as, you know, there have been several hearings on Capitol Hill, and the FTC has made some suggestions there, and, and even the Department of Commerce. So everyone seems to be getting involved in this issue, which has had a lot of focus over the last few years. And there's some legislation go pending on Capitol Hill to, to deal with that. 
So um, next next show we'll talk about where we are and, and behavioral targeting, which is a very huge and exploding market in the in the online advertising space. And we're also uh, either next week or the week after we're going to be talking about since we're closing the first quarter of 2011, and it's hard to believe already. And uh, we'll talk about some of the trends and what what were the big stories of the first quarter and. And what does that mean for the rest of the year and beyond? Um, and again, if there's any topics you'd like to cover, um, just let us know. Um, we have a uh, Bill is going to be on momentarily. We, we've been able to to locate him. And is Bill on? Yes, hi, I'm here. Hey, uh, Bill. Thank you for joining us. Sorry about the glitch. Um, hey, Bennett. No problem. And, and so, Bill, I was just giving a brief intro about you and. Uh, how basically setting up the fact that in terms of you know, and people assuming um, who you are beforehand, that you are you in terms of you know, connected versus disconnected, you you were very connected life. You know, would you work I with do. the Washington Post, National Journal, et cetera? I mean, is that a fair, fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I have a connected life in terms of my professional connections and my work, but I'm also, you know, one of the reasons I both the, wrote the book is I also – you know, have always been adopting the latest digital devices for the last 15 years, and I started to find they were kind of ruining my productivity and my happiness. So do you have the electronic Chia Pet? I don't. I've heard about that one. I have to get that. <laughs> um, so I, I thought I'd save – I tried to explain a little bit about the book, but I thought I'd save for you the explanation about the title. Yeah. So um, you want me to launch into that? Please. So what I do in the book is – to try and solve this problem I just described, you know, where we're getting so connected, it's kind of becoming counterproductive. I decided to go back into the past because I knew that there were moments in history when new technologies came along and that had also shaken up society and brought challenges to people and so forth that they had solved. So like I wanted to press. see some of those moments. So one of the people I look at is Shakespeare because he lived in a time when print was causing a bit of an information overload problem. People were feeling overwhelmed by all the paperwork and books and newspapers that were coming out in his time, and they couldn't keep up. And there's a moment in Hamlet that's all about this, where he finds the bad news, finds out the bad news from the ghost about his father being murdered, and he pulls this thing out of his pocket that looks like a little notebook, but it's actually a gadget that was invented in Shakespeare's lifetime that had an erasable surface that you wrote on with a stylus, a metal stylus that was that fit right into the device. And you could write anything you wanted on it all through the day and then just erase it clean like an Etch-a-Sketch, which was just a miracle for people of that time. For the first time, they could have something to take notes on and not have to carry around all this paper, which they were feeling burdened by. So it was an example of how our gadgets can help us deal with overload if we use them properly. Now, one thing that's got a lot of focus about the book is, is the fact that you, know, you you and your family disconnect on the weekend. And right. You, how is that? How is that working? And particularly, uh, I was after after hearing you speak on this, you know, I remember just commenting to, to my wife that uh, wait wait till your son gets to be dating age, and we'll see how how yeah. that works. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're not there yet. He's thirteen, and he's not dating. But we've been at this. Since he was nine, we're almost on four years, and um, what we do is we, we disconnect the Internet from our computers on the weekend, so we have no Internet access in the house. And, and consciously, none of us has made the move to smartphones. We all still have regular old cell phones, so we can't go on Internet on our phones. So basically, huh. it's, back, it's back to voice, basically, on the weekends. And because my son's been doing it for so long, he's really kind of on board, and he actually looks forward to it most of the time, the way we do. And so far, it's not an issue. But again, dating is a massive uh, bridge we'll have to cross. I have no idea what that will bring. Yeah, as as every parent <laughs> feels that way, I'm sure. Now, um, this show, you know, obviously you're on, you're on Webmaster Radio. Um, the show is devoted you know, to, 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 to cyber law policy. Mm-hmm. And what has your message is both something that should both resonate and you know, maybe disturb people within the tech community, I would imagine. And I, I wonder what type of reception you, on your, in your book tour you've received from those in, in the tech community. 
Well, this is something, Bennett, that has totally surprised me about the book, because when I was writing it, a lot of my friends, particularly baby boomers a little older than you and me, told me, oh, God, the technology people are going to hate this book, and especially the younger ones, the digital natives who work in that world, are going to just completely reject your message. And it's actually been the complete opposite. It's amazing how often I'm asked to speak to those kinds of groups. In the last month, I've been at Facebook, at Google, and at South by Southwest, which arguably are the three most intense nodes of connectedness in our entire society, those three places. Yeah, South by Southwest is interesting. Yeah, and the New York Times did a story about my speech where they talked about how there seems to be this turning point among the technorati types who themselves are feeling overwhelmed and craving a little disconnectedness to offset the connectedness, which is my message. It's not about running away from the devices. It's about striking a better balance. I got a great reception to my speech down there, and um, I think something's happening. You know, people are realizing it's a kind of slavery. I think the smartphone is becoming the new sweatshop, and we have to get out of it once in a while. Uh, that's a that's an interesting analogy, but yeah, I, I, my my visual image of South by Southwest, you know, in addition to the conferences, is just the you know, the convention center littered with people sitting on the floor with their laptops, you know, or you know, um, you know, banging away on their BlackBerry or um, iPhone, and uh, yeah, I mean, technology is very much front and center at that show. Yeah, it's a huge technology fest. It's uh, as somebody said, it's a massive convergence of geeks. And they are, which, but they're wonderful right people. It's, the, the it's a very creative go, go thing. And I found stuff. they were open to this new creative way of thinking about their lives. Not that they've completely adopted it, but they were a fantastic audience. And Austin's a very fun city. But, you know, for those of you had, who had loved ones who were at this show, uh, there was absolutely no drinking or, or rabble rousing at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, at right. The, at the show. <laughs> yeah, I had a great time there. Loved it. It, it is a nice city. Um, mm-hmm. So what what is the part of the book that, that really has people talking the most to you about? You know, what, is, what has resonated the most? Yeah, two things. Um, the first one is simply when I talk about my own personal experiences, both positive and negative. So there's one anecdote I tell about calling my mother from the car, which is hey, too long to say in this interview, but it's all about how a digital device can open up this incredible connectedness for you with a person who's far away, and how beautiful that can be, and how it can kind of take you to these places you never would have been able to go, you know, just a little bit. You were, a few you were like ago. stuck in traffic, and yeah. um, you were able to call your mother. I call my mother, and but what happens is I close the phone when I'm done, look at her photo on the phone, close it, and that's actually when the best part began, because I was able to reflect on on the connection we just made. And I use that to send the message that, you know, we need to not just always move on to another digital task, but have these gaps or spaces between, because that's where we can take our digital experiences and do something with them inside. I think that's where all the good stuff comes from. And so you had that forced on you since you were stuck in your car in, you know, wherever, somewhere in Massachusetts. Yeah, it oh. happened by accident. And that's kind of the funny part about it. I mean, the reason I remembered it, it was, is it was before I became conscious of my own problem. And I had this thing happen by accident. There's another one that happened where I fell out of my boat and my phone drowned. And I had this fantastic moment of aloneness, you know, being unreachable for the first time maybe in years. And I talk about how great that felt. So these two accidental (laughs) things kind of were epiphanies for me. And that was the beginning of my decision to write the book. And that's why I tell those in the book. Um, But the other thing that people love and that they ask me about, I didn't expect this, is these people from the past that I use as my philosophers. I call them the seven philosophers of screens. They include Shakespeare. And I didn't think, you know, when I went on Katie Couric's show and all these other things I went on, that they would, the first thing a lot of them would ask me is, talk to me about Seneca, the Roman philosopher. I loved your chapter on Seneca. Or talk to me about Socrates. You know, I thought that would be the last thing people would want to chat about, but they love reading about those people and how parallel their lives were to ours in many ways. They felt overconnected in ancient Rome, and they had. Well, to I think it. a lot of it is one thing that's unique about your book is that it it can it really makes those people um, accessible in ways other books that are strictly you know, about philosophy don't. 
And yeah, that's make, what I tried make, to do. Make is make I tried to make it lives. really plain spoken. And thank you for saying that. Now, um, what is next for you? You know, I have been so busy with this book for nine months that I have not had a chance to decide, actually. I have a bunch of topics I've been kind of mulling, and I haven't settled on one. I haven't convinced the publisher to let me move on to a new idea. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's up in the air. I kind of think I should do something that's also philosophical, because I loved writing about philosophy in, in a way that anybody could understand. But beyond that, I haven't decided. And what about you know, Washington? I mean, you, do you consider going back there, or is um, are, are you you're strictly planted in Cape Cod for now? Well, you know, we're my wife is um, my wife is also a former Washington Post reporter, and she just uh, took took a dive back into Washington journalism for the first time. She just wrote a piece for the Post that hasn't been published yet, a very long piece on kind of a special request from them. And, you know, we have a lot of ties there. We're going there in a week and a half. So we're there a lot. You know, it's easy to get there. I just feel like we're, we still kind of have one foot in that world, and it's nice to have both. So for right. the moment, you know, this situation is working really well. I have an airport half an hour, little airport half an hour from my house I can fly out of. So, so far, so good. But, you know, it could change. We're, you know, we're open to adventures. Now, um, what is the... Um what what is the thing that you you think people have the hardest time understanding about your book? Well, some people who've heard about it um, kind of assume because I'm questioning the way we're living digitally that it must be a so-called luddite book. Right, you know I mean? I've heard, seen that a lot. Yeah, and that's really just could only possibly come from someone who hasn't read the book, as you know, because it's really not that message. There are a lot of books that do have that message, but one of the reasons I wrote it is I was frustrated that you had all these enthusiasts on one end and all these technophobes on the other, and nobody kind of speaking for the rest of us, people who really love this revolution but want to do it smartly. And that's kind of my message is there is a better way. We don't have to be 24-7 plays to the screen. And in fact, as I argue, it's bad for business. It's bad for commerce to have fogged out, overconnected employees who can't settle down on one task and think outside the box and do all these things that you need to do to be a good worker. That's very true. And um, when you spoke with the the people in the tech community, Facebook and Google and those people, um, and you said that they were quite receptive. Was there anything in particular that they said that you'd like to share or – well, the most interesting thing I get in those appearances, frankly, is almost like the green room moments where I'm getting ready to go on and we're talking about why I'm there. You know, I get, they gave me this really nice event at Google with a reception and a book signing, and I spoke in front of a nice audience, and then they put it on YouTube. But it was talking personally with the Google employees about their lives and, and how sympathetic they were to my message. I mean, I'm not speaking for everybody at Google, but the people I met, who had asked me to come and so forth, were basically saying, you know, you're basically you're right, you know, we need to be more mindful about how we do this. We, of course, love these tools, but there are lots of different ways to use them, and we should be more thoughtful, and that's your message. And people, you know, people want to have a life. Everybody I know wants to have a life beyond the screen. Otherwise, you're just sitting there hunched over all day clicking keys. You know, it's not, I don't think it's a great way to live. And I think Based on South by Southwest and these other experiences that I've had recently, I really think it's it's happening, and in a way, this change of mind. And I think it makes now, sense it would start in technology because that's where the most connected people are. Now, there's a recent study, I believe, that showed that you know, as cell phones are actually somehow affecting um, our, our brain in terms of you know, the, the, some chemical reaction or um, physiological reaction to cell phones that... Is it causes the brain to actually uh, act differently? Uh, are you familiar with that? It was a recent study. Yeah, I'm familiar with that one. That one really complements other work that's been done on, you know, not cell phones but screen using screens actually, like computer screen and smart, mm-hmm. really typing on an iPad and so forth activates different parts of your brain from other activities that are activated when you're only using voice or when you're actually writing with a pen. God forbid anyone should still do that. Or yeah. all these you other saw things. My writing, you see, well, you know why, but <laughs> yes, different ways of thinking and learning and communicating all use different parts of the brain, 
you know, we may be just at the beginning of learning the best ways to use these new devices that actually access the parts of our brain we really want to get to. But for the moment, there's kind of, there appears to be all this intense activity in these couple of areas that we, we haven't used so much in the past. And in a way, we don't know the implications of this change. It could be good, you know, but for the moment, we just don't know. Now, Bill, you're, are you still on tour? Well, officially it ended last August, but it never seems to end. Yeah, I'm still traveling pretty much constantly. I have a speech tonight. Um, I'm going to, um, as I said, Washington um, next week, Memphis. Uh, yeah, I just have an endless, it just keeps going and going. Sure. Well, just what we're wrapping up in, in, in a minute, and I was wondering if you just wanted to you know, plug you know, where you're going to be in case there's any listeners um, who might be in that area. Yeah, the ones I'm doing that are coming up are not, you know, public. It's like I'm speaking at a church in one place and a school in another place. But I do update my website frequently with appearances, and I will be having some public ones coming on there. So it's williampowers.com, and I have a whole page. And we'll, we'll post that on the um, the show um, board as well. Great. Thank you, Bennett. Well, Bill, it's been great talking to you, and sorry for the little um, glitch in the uh, hookup, but um, everyone, Bill Powers, um, definitely someone to keep your eye on, and um, definitely pick up a copy of Hamlet's Blackberry. Thank um, you, Ben. I really again, appreciate it. Thank, thank you, Bill. Thank you for everyone for listening. Next week, behavioral targeting. Um, get ready, and um, hope to see you then. Court is adjourned. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.